Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 127. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, filling in for my normal co-host, John White, at VJourneyman. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. This week is the conclusion of our trilogy of interviews with Tom Hollingsworth. In part one, we talked about how Tom developed his networking specialty. He leveled up the CCIE and he was able to have an impact on the exam and its direction. In part two, we talked about how Tom transitioned from network engineer to tech field day event lead. We also talked about how part of Tom's job was to act as an analyst of the different technologies he was seeing through presentations at tech field day. We talked a little bit about how tech field day works and what it's like to be a delegate at tech field day. This week in part three, we're going to talk about all things burnout. How can you determine if you're getting close to burnout or if you have burned out? What are some ways that you can recover? What are some things you can do? How has COVID and work from home contributed to burnout? And how can we set goals in such a way that we won't get burned out because we're always reaching for more? I hope you enjoy part three and the conclusion of our trilogy of interviews with Tom Hollingsworth. just slightly Tom because you wrote some really good blogs recently on burnout I think that's a topic that I guess in the last three or four years at least in the technology industry has been a little more prevalent people are talking about it more at any point did you get burned out before you joined tech field day during that or were you willing to share yeah, I, I absolutely am. Um, I, I think my career change was kind of motivated by burnout. If, uh, with 10 years of hindsight, I know that's what it was now. Um, the way that I would describe it to some of my friends was I felt like I was rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, I was doing a whole lot of nothing for no good purpose. Like I was starting to slowly see how the the industry that was built around resellers was starting to slowly get cut out of the picture because the companies wanted to sell direct or they they wanted to only rely on a certain number of large partners as opposed to smaller partners with specialties in certain areas. And so, you know, it was discouraging to me because it, you know the, the when the when you're hitting the ceiling already and it feels like the walls are starting to close in on you, yeah, that's burnout when you you don't want to get up and go to work every day, when you don't want to deal with this project. And and we all have those feelings, right? Like, oh, I can't believe I have to deal with this customer. They're kind of a pain in the neck and and I, I don't want to work on this network anymore because it's, it, it's it's just messy. Like we do that, but it's when you when you deal with that day in and day out, and it takes a toll on you, and it feels like you can never get caught up. And and a while back, I was I was driving down the road, and I had this epiphany um, that burnout isn't always when you don't care anymore. Burnout can be when you don't think anybody else does. Like when you feel like you're putting your heart and soul into something and working your fingers to the bone and nobody else cares about it, 
when nobody else recognizes your effort. That is like big flashing neon sign for burnout because it means you've invested more into something than you probably should have. And you're running your engine in overdrive and redlining it. And eventually you're going to burn it completely out. And the last year, more than anything else, has shown me, and there was, I, it was in a, a blog that I wrote recently, um, we are more burned out than we are willing to admit. And, and, and in a way, it's almost like a stoic kind of thing. It's like, I'm not burned out. I'm still functioning perfectly fine. Cool. I want you to pull up your to-do list, and I want you to tell me how long it is. Not the, you know, I need to do this email tomorrow. The stuff that you keep putting off. The things that you don't get to because you're too busy doing other stuff. How many times have you had something dropped on your plate that's like, this has to be done today. And everything else on your to-do list just gets pushed down a little further. I used to be the kind of person that could just drop in and write whenever I wanted to. And for the last month, I've been putting it off. Now, has the stuff that I've been doing been important? Yeah, absolutely. It has been. But it means that I never really get a feeling to get back to the things that I know need to be done. And I keep looking at them and going, now, I'll, I'll get to it later. And pretty soon, later is like five months ago. You're like, I really need to do this. And that's a symptom of burnout. Because if you're doing so many things that you can't eventually catch up, you're never going to dig yourself out of that hole. And that's that's when the other, what we would consider to be, I would guess, classical burnout symptoms appear, which is you just throw your hands up in the air and you're like, I'm done. I'm just going to walk away from the whole mess and declare bankruptcy and start over from scratch. But then even when you start over from scratch, you put yourself right back into the hole because you're like, okay, well, I'll do all these things that I'm supposed to do. But maybe if I do one of those other things that I was supposed to work on before, and it starts all over again. I mean, the, the physical toll on it is ridiculous when you think about it. Like, you know, we, blood pressure goes up, sleep gets kind of pushed to the side because like, well, I got to stay up till midnight to work on this project. And then it's like, well, I got to wake up early so I can get a start before everybody gets going in the day. Well, yeah. And then pretty soon you're sleeping four hours a night. And the next time you go to the doctor, they, they kind of give you that look of, you really need to slow down because you're going to have a stroke or a heart attack or something else. Because the human body is a beautiful, wonderful machine. You can run it in overdrive until it falls apart. And you'll never know until something happens that you don't get to walk away from. Yeah, that's a great point. I was listening to High Performance Habits. I don't know if you ever read that one by Brandon Burchard. And there's a, a chapter in it on energy. And he talks about that's one of the habits of high performers. And there's a story about this executive that flies into San Francisco. And they're in his office at 3 a.m. And this guy's been doing you know B12 shots for energy. And he's just... He can't get anything accomplished, and he wants he wants to be able to bring joy back to his life, and he's just not taking care of himself. It's pressure, and it's expectation, and those things can, especially for the people who are you know, classically people pleasers, like I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that everybody else around me is happy. How many of us know that? How many of us identify with that? It's like, I can't say no to people. That's actually something I've learned over the last few months. Saying no. I can't do that. I can't help you with that because I'm already too busy. If you give me time to work through what I've got going on, yeah, I'll help. But not right now. And two years ago, that was not me. Two years ago, it was like, I'll do this one more thing because, well, I might as well. 
And yeah, it will lead to burnout because you, you, you know, think of the classical statue of Atlas with the world on his shoulders. Yeah, Atlas can bear the load as long as the load doesn't get too heavy. But how many more little feathers does it take before the load gets so heavy that you just completely buckle? Because every one of those things steals your attention, steals your energy, steals your capability. I mean, I, I saw something the other day uh, that was kind of poignant for me. It said, if, you, if your distractions take all of your energy over your priorities, then your distractions are your priorities. I was like, whoa, yeah, I kind of see that now. Because how many times, you know, do we, do we think that it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm working on this really big project and I got to write up this documentation. I'll just check, I'll check Twitter real quick. Or, hey, uh, what was the score of the game last night? And before you know it, you're sitting around, you've been scrolling the internet for 30 minutes and you haven't done any work. And, and on the flip side, we deal with people who try to solve their burnout problems by being able to get up and walk away from things. I go for a run every morning. Well, at least not when it's raining straight down, because that's a way for me to build energy for the day to get my body into good shape, but also to, to kind of get my mindset ready for where I need to be for the day to kind of focus in. So I don't have, you know, like a hundred thousand thoughts running in every direction. And there are mornings when I can tell I didn't do my run today because I'm kind of all over the place. And some people, you know, maybe they want to take an early day on Friday and they want to go hike in the mountains or go camping or something. Now for those people, you know, the, the, the folks who are like, you know, high performer type a work all the time folks. Ah, I can't believe Nick went camping on Friday. Who, who does he think that he is getting away from the office when there's work to do? Well, maybe Nick went and, and went camping. And while he was there, he's like, Hey, I didn't think about solving that problem in a different, unique way. I'm going to take a little note and then I'm going to get back to it on Monday. Whenever I get back into the office, it's not that you're not working. You are working. You're just working on something more important than that project or that email, you're working on yourself. Because, you know, just like when a car runs out of gas, if you run out of gas, if you run out of energy, because you're burned out, you're no good to anyone. I mean, how many times have we seen that where people just, they, they have a thousand yard stare, and they're acting like zombies, and they're not getting anything accomplished. I was having a conversation with somebody this weekend, and he wasn't making any sense. And he was like, yeah, I think I have a migraine coming on, because of, of something that he ate. But it's like, you know, you can tell when people are literally not firing on all cylinders up here. Maybe it's because, you know, they, they're tired or they're stressed out or the caffeine finally wore off. That's a popular excuse. But you can also tell when they're working. How many times have you heard, man, you look good. You, you feel like you're very dynamic. What'd you do this weekend? Oh, you know, I just hung out and didn't really do much of anything. I just kind of took care of myself as valuable as any work that you're doing. You're just not getting a benefit for, for it from your firm. It's not, you know, taking care of yourself is not billable hours for the people that you work for, but it absolutely is billable hours for you. We don't always think of that as paying ourselves when we do it. I think it's hard to recognize burnout in yourself. It's It seems like you almost need someone else's recognition of it to really point it out, or at least that's been the case with me. It, it is hard because you're in the situation and you don't see the things that are stacked up against you. Um, I'm lucky enough that I have friends around me that can recognize when I'm getting to that point and they kind of like, they, they stop what's going on. Your, your productivity is slipping or, you know, you feel like you're kind of scattered when you talk to me, what's going on. And so, you know, 
I have at least learned to the point, even if I can't recognize it, if they're willing to do that, it means that something's going on. So then I immediately go back and I go, okay, well, I had a lot of writing projects I had to do and I got this event coming up and, and all this other stuff is due. Okay, well, yeah, maybe I am a little bit burned out. But not everybody has that because the first instinct that we have when we're like, you know, head down in crunch time is we want to push all of the distractions away or at least things that we're capable of pushing away. So we push out. And the first thing that goes is the people who are close enough to us to be able to recognize when that doesn't need to happen. You're, you're working too hard. You need to step away from things. Now, if someone tells you that, listen, don't get angry. Don't get frustrated that they're trying to distract you from this, you know, magnum opus that you're working on. Because they probably do see something. Maybe you're more irritable than usual and you're snapping at the dog or the kids or your spouse. Maybe you're staying up later than you normally do. Maybe you're having that fifth cup of coffee at noon. Okay, something's not right here. Maybe you're distracted when you're supposed to be relaxing. Maybe you know you wanted to watch a movie with someone and all oh, you're fiddling on your phone or you're you know, staring at the ceiling while you're trying to figure out that problem. All of these things are noticeable behaviors to other people, but not to you. So if someone is close enough to you to recognize when you're acting abnormally and they're not going to accept, oh, well, I'm just busy at work, listen to them. You don't have to agree. You can absolutely say, I appreciate your opinion. I appreciate your perspective. This is something that's important. But they're at least trying to point it out because they understand that it's not something that's normal. And that's usually where burnout starts, is when we start acting abnormally. Everybody has a level of pressure that they're comfortable working under. Some people's is a lot less than others, but everybody will eventually reach the point of stress and pressure and, and all of those things where they can't do it anymore. It, the last feather that falls on top of the stack, that's enough to, to completely collapse everything in on top of itself. And you have to have somebody in your life, in your, in your work in your home life, wherever, that recognizes when you're at that point and can help you stop before the last feather falls. Because as soon as you get burned out, as soon as it cracks, it's not going to be a good response for you. Because at that point, then you're spending more energy trying to build yourself back up and try to take care of the things that were so important that it, it caused you to fall apart in the first place. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned pushing off all the things that might be perceived as distractions, all the personal, whether it's some kind of social interaction, a family thing, you push it all away so you can do the work stuff. But it's probably, ironically enough, we needed to maybe say no to some more of the things like you mentioned and push away the small, different kinds of distractions. And actually in those times where we feel like we can't take a break because I get in that cycle too you know I need to finish this and wife says why can't you just go to sleep and I immediately tense up and I'm like but I gotta do this so you know what I mean and uh, in that very moment when you don't want to take the break maybe you should actually take the break yeah if you're lucky enough you'll find somebody that not only will tell you when it's happening that they will physically grab you and pull you away now you're gonna fight like crazy because you're like I got to get this done but sometimes stepping away is really what you needed because you can come back to it with fresh eyes, you know, whatever. And yes, you're going to fight even harder if your spouse or your friend pulls you away and just makes you sit on the couch and watch TV for half an hour. I'm not getting anything done. Yeah, you are. You're investing in yourself as opposed to investing in whatever project has got you occupied. 
accept it for what it's worth and realize that it really is a gift. It's the gift of saving you from yourself. And we don't all have someone that can do that, but it can save you a lot of time in the long run if you do have someone that can make you kind of step back away from something you're too close to and essentially see the forest for the trees. Yeah, and I I think that people can probably, if they did some experiments with themselves, they might be able to detect this better. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, I've been working on the podcast. Uh, My podcast partner is taking a little break right now, right? He's going to come back soon. So I've had to record intros and outros for the episodes on my own. Well, it's a little bit harder than I thought to carry two or three minutes by yourself. And if you're too tired, you can't do it in one take. You probably can't do it in 15 takes. And so the other day, it was one of those deals where I recognized, okay, I'm really too tired to sound energetic when I record this. I went to sleep. I got up the next day and, you know, three or four of them, first take. Sure, there was some editing there, but it wasn't 20 takes like the time before that, you know. It was just amazing the difference, but it was only because I recognized, got lucky that, hey, I need to not keep pushing because the quality isn't going to be there and it's going to take me 15 times longer. Yeah, I do that too. I'll stay up late because I need to get a script written for something or I need to send an email that has to go out in the morning. And if I find myself falling asleep at my computer, that's my body telling me, you're done. Don't try to fight through this. Don't 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 take another, um, you know. Don't drink another cup of coffee. Uh, don't get up and run in place until you wake. No, go to bed. Get up in the morning, fresh set of eyes, and it will all be better. It actually is going to be better. I I completely agree with you. Now, of course, if you're doing that and your fresh set of eyes is only on the heels of four and a half hours of sleep, then probably not not much to that. But if you actually get a full night's sleep like you should, then yeah, absolutely. Now, let me ask this. Once you once you reach the point of burnout and you make this investment in yourself, like you're sitting around and you feel like, oh, I need to be productive, and there's just that nagging feeling in the back of your mind, I should be doing something. How do you get rid of that? Is there a way to get rid of that? It's it's not easy because I that's what I had after I passed my CCIE. Um, I, I had a routine down. Uh, kids would go to bed at 8 o'clock at night, and I would fire up my lab. And I would start working and I knew it was time to go to bed when the late, late show came on CBS. When Craig Ferguson's monologue was over, it was time to go to bed because it was midnight and it was four hours of lab work at a time. And I got really good at that. And then I passed my lab and I got home. I took a small vacation, like a couple uh, took a weekend with my wife and some friends. And then I got back to work and Monday morning, got my job done, got went through all my stuff, got home. And about eight o'clock when the kids went to bed, something didn't feel right. I was sitting there. I think I was watching a a movie with my wife. I was like, I feel like I should be doing something. Like something just doesn't feel right. Like I was unsettled. Like I was wiggling. I kept getting up to do stuff. She goes, what are you doing? Just sit down and and, and watch the movie. I'm like, no, it just, it doesn't feel right. And it took me another couple of weeks to realize that what was going on was there was this little nagging voice in the back of my head going, you should be labbing. Like you should be practicing. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. No, I don't. I don't have to do that anymore. I passed. But you get yourself into a pattern and and you have to, well, the first thing you have to do is it's kind of a, a Buddhist thing. You have to acknowledge the fact that your brain is talking to you. And it's like, listen, you need to be doing something. And you go, mm-hmm, I hear you. I don't agree with you. Right now I am doing something. Nothing. Nothing is something. 
I'm investing in myself. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're, you're practicing a Rubik's cube or uh, if you guys need something to do that feels productive, but has like massive self-care. If you have an iPad, download a coloring book or a, a, a PDF coloring sheet and color. I kid you not. It works great for detail people. It works great for artistic people and it is therapeutic, but that solves the voice problem because the voice is saying you're not doing anything. Well, no, I'm doing something, something different from what you expect me to do, but it doesn't invalidate my choices. Like, you know, a, a lot of the things that I do now, because I'm active in the Boy Scouts with my sons, I go camping a lot. And so a lot of the the desire for me to kind of organize and teach and administer things that I get in my daily work, like like stuff that I'm good at, I can apply there, but in a completely different way. It's like this past weekend, I, I went on a backpacking trip and we needed to practice hiking for an upcoming trip that we have at the end of July. And then I just sat back and I, I started cooking. Like I'm, I'm, I have some recipes I want to try out and my son's going to go do some stuff and I'm going to talk to the adults about some stuff that's coming up. It's not that I wasn't doing anything. I was doing stuff, but I was doing stuff that was not super critical. Like if I messed up the recipe, oh, well, we'll do better next time. Conversation with the adult about the, the trip that's coming up. It's productive, but it can be fun. Like we can meander in and out of conversation. And it could take a long time. Those are the kinds of things that are valuable to you to be able to recharge your batteries. Um, I get accused the other day of not taking enough vacation. Yeah. How many times have we heard that? You you don't take any of your vacation. You don't take any of your sick leave. You need, to, you need to spend some time away from work. I feel like that's on the top 10 things you wish your boss said to you list, right? Right, exactly. You, you need to not be here a little while. Um, but I do take vacation. I just take my vacations in a different way. I do, uh, I mentioned Boy Scouts. One of the things that I do is a leadership course called Wood Badge, where we teach basically servant leadership to people. And it's grueling. It like it takes me a day to recover from it when I get back because I literally spend 72 hours like on point. And nobody at work can understand why that recharges my batteries. Yeah, when I come back, I have to spend a day like kind of getting back into the flow of things, going from fun stuff to work stuff. But when I'm done, like, like there's so much more energy that I get out of it. I'm like, but, but you're not going around sitting on a beach. And I'm like, because that's not fun to me. You have to find the things that are fun to you and do not for an instant, believe your brain when your brain is telling you, you shouldn't be working on this car at 5 PM on a Saturday. You should be writing that report that needs to be done. No, the report will still be there on Sunday night or Monday morning or whenever you want to get to it. But if you're taking time to recharge your batteries, to avoid that burnout, listen to your own self, not the little voice that's chastising you for not being productive. Listen to the part of you that says, it's okay to take a little time for yourself. Because you wouldn't think any different if you spent 30 minutes scrolling TikTok. So, you know, do, do the things that make you happy. Make time for those things. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned in one of these articles was that we should set goals with limits so that we don't grind away to nothing. Can you dig into what you meant by that? Yeah, it is very easy for people to just keep going. It is, you know, I, I did the thing really well. Well, I can do it even better. I can keep going. 
And like you mentioned, we all, all the time, we can't see ourselves when we're going too far. When, you know, how many times have we, you know, swimmer knew that they could swim a half a mile. Well, that felt really good. So I'm going to swim three quarters of a mile. Now I'm going to swim a mile out from shore. And now you're too far gone and you can't come back because you burned all of your energy getting out that far. And it's easy for us to do that. If you set a goal for yourself, I'm going to, you know, write, well, uh, a good example is uh, in November, there's a, a thing called uh, National Novel Writers Month, uh, NaNoWriMo or something. And they set a goal, right? I think it's like a thousand words a day. And you're like, well, that's easy. I can write a thousand words a day. Yeah, you can write a thousand words a day for like three days. But then it, it, it becomes like a chore. Now, if you do it a thousand words a day for 30 days, you wrote 30,000 words. That's a book. But the important thing is, is that you do not write like 10,000 words on day one and then you don't have anything else to do. Because that is a, it's a critical thing to set manageable, achievable goals for consistency's sake. Um, I, I just finished uh, a year's worth of closing my Apple Watch exercise rings. And the one thing I'll tell you is that it is very easy to fall into the trap of I'm going to run one more block. I'm going to run a half a mile more. And that can wreck the rest of your workout. There is absolutely nothing wrong with doing your workout every day or deciding, you know what? I'm going to turn around a half a mile earlier today. Because if you don't set a, a goal with an achievable end, you're always going to push yourself past it. And while that works on the short term, just like a knife against a grindstone, if you keep sharpening that knife, you will eventually not have a blade left. You will grind it away to nothing because that's a grindstone's job. That knife is only going to get so sharp. That's the goal. You know, I'm going to write a thousand words a day. I'm going to run two miles today. I'm going to send the five emails that I need to send. And then... You have that sense of accomplishment. I did something today. Then you can reward yourself with you know, some downtime or something to recharge your batteries. Because if you try to do more than you were supposed to do, you're grinding away at an already sharp knife. And probably setting an unsustainable precedent moving forward and in such a way that it just makes you feel worse if you mm -hmm. don't hit that level again. Well, what happens if you, let's just say you're, you're a runner. Today, I'm going to run two miles. Tomorrow, I'm going to run three miles. The day after that, I'm going to run four and then five. And now you're setting yourself up for failure. I'm sure you're perfectly capable of continuing to go forever. Well, what happens when the goal is now 10 miles and your body is done? Because your body does need to rest. Anybody who runs on a daily basis will tell you you have to vary the runs. Maybe you do a short, uh, a short, fast run and a long, slow run, and then you add a walk or something like that. Because it's very easy to set goals that are constantly escalating. But eventually you will hit a point, you'll hit that wall. I can't do this anymore. Because you're either your, your mind or your body just can't hit that goal. And then what happens? You don't stop and go, well, you know, I, I ran nine miles yesterday. Maybe I could take a day off. You chastise yourself because you didn't hit the goal that you set, even if it's unrealistic. You know, today's the day I, I need to catch up. I'm going to write 10,000 words instead of 8,000 words. Yeah, 10,000 words is hard. That is a lot of writing. And people get, and that can lead to burnout too. I didn't hit my goal. I feel like a failure. I should just quit. 
No, you didn't hit your goal. Like, look at all the things you did above and beyond your goal. A lot of people just don't stop and, and examine what they have been doing. They're always focused on what they need to be doing. The, the, the goal is always out of reach. And that's why you have to set achievable goals. Because once you reach it, then you can decide, okay, that was kind of easy. Maybe I need to do something different tomorrow. Or, you know, that was about where it needs to be. And I have all this free time to do other stuff. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, of course, you have your stretch goals that you sometimes want to set to push yourself a little bit outside the comfort zone. But you probably don't want to do that if you're trying to reel yourself back in from burnout. A stretch goal should be just like a rubber band. You stretch it every once in a while. You don't stretch it all the time because that stress will eventually wear everything out. So, you know, like today is sprint day. So if you want to have an achievable goal with a stretch... Make it a once in a while thing, maybe once, once a month, once every other week. Today is stretch goal day. Today is the day I'm going to bang out that extra blog post, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to uh, commit, uh, you know, one extra block of code or something like that. Do it often enough that it feels like a special occasion, that it forces you to step outside of your boundaries and reassess your goals, but do not do it so often that it adds stress to your life. Oh God, tomorrow's stretch goal day and I haven't even done anything and I've got to figure out what I'm I'm supposed to fix because then it's just an added source of burnout stress. Yep. It's like you said earlier, when the hobby becomes the job. Mm -hmm. What's the the old saying? Do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. No, do something you love and you'll constantly be berating yourself because you should be really good at this because you love it so much, but it feels like a job. Like I liked writing blog posts. When I have to write eight a week, I don't like writing blog posts nearly as much as I used to because now it's work and work never feels like fun. And I don't care if you're a clown or a secret agent or a comedian. I promise you work is the thing you do all the time that doesn't feel fun anymore. Yeah, work is work. But there are elements you can enjoy about the work. You're always going to find something to enjoy. Maybe it's a funny story or maybe it's a fun conversation you get to have with somebody. But yeah, you, you've you got to find a little way to keep it fun. Otherwise, you, you're going to go nuts. It's like I can't do factory jobs. There's no way I could work on an assembly line because it's the same boring, repetitive task day in and day out. I would go nuts. At least you know that. That's good. Self-awareness at its best. Speaking of matching up what you know would be good for you in a career. How do you, Tom Hollingsworth, decide what's next for you? It's it's always a challenge because one of the nice things about technology is, is that it changes so much. Uh, I, I laugh about that because I think all the way back to the beginning of my career and how different it was when I was working on uh, networks and servers and things like that. And I didn't have the internet at my fingertips, thanks to the magic of Apple's mobile device. How different would my career have been if I would have had a phone at the beginning to be able to look things up on the internet? But now the technology that I worked on at the very beginning is obsolete. We we have 10 gigabit ethernet to the desktop, 400 gigabit ethernet and backbone switches. We use SDN and SD-WAN, network automation, and a lot of the jobs that I used to do just flat out don't exist anymore. So do I sit back in my chair and whine about how fast technology moves and get upset at myself, or do I look for new things that interest me? Well, 
If I do the latter, then I know that there are things that are not for me. Like I tried my hand at being a storage analyst for about a year because I kept getting invited to all these storage things. It's just not for me. Like, like I'm sure you guys are very smart and very capable and very good at your jobs. I don't get it. Networking, I get. Wireless, I get. Security, I get. Storage, I don't get. So I'm going to leave that for you guys. And, and that's okay. And I think that that's a very hard challenge for people. As hard as saying no is for certain things, fear of missing out is even harder. I need to say no and be okay with it because I don't need to dwell on the fact that something could be happening that I'm not involved in. And if, you, if you're a FOMO person, that's rough. But you've got to learn to walk away from things that don't have any impact on you. They're doing things that I'm not involved with, and that's okay, because that's their thing and not mine. And you took the time to test out the theory of, would this be something I enjoy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was telling my son this this weekend because we were talking about doing climbing on a climbing wall. I have repelled exactly one time in my life. It ain't for me. I don't like heights. I backed off the top of the tower and had the hand underneath my butt where it's supposed to be and froze. And the guy was like, you need to start. I'm like, I'm trying. My body does not want to do this. And so I pushed myself off the tower and slid down and ended up having a rope burn on my palm, even though I was wearing gloves because I didn't do it right. Got to the bottom of the thing, pulled the rope out of the harness, took the gloves off and said, I'm done. Repelling is not my thing. And I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, I had to try it. I had to understand that it's not my thing. And obviously my body didn't like it. My brain was like, ha you're falling off of a building. Don't do this. You have to learn to recognize those signs. If you have a visceral reaction to anything long enough, that's your body and your brain telling you to stop doing that thing. Like, you know, uh, you know, whether it's biking or running or cooking or anything. Like if, if, if everything just feels like it's your skin's crawling the whole time, stop it. Listen to yourself. Walk away from it. I promise you, the world's not going to end because you just don't like barbecuing things. Makes sense. I, I like that. Explore it and figure out if it's really for you and be okay with letting it go. That's the part that's really hard. As we get close to ending here, Tom, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm going to end on this question. What's the best and career best and worst career advice you've received? Uh, so the best career advice that I've ever received was uh, when someone told me that I needed to always be in a mode where I was learning things. If you are not the kind of person that that wants to crack open a book or investigate a technology or just dig into something that's of interest to you, if you're like, ah, it's not important, I'll figure it out, you're going to have a rough time because nothing stays static forever. I mean, even the oldest technology is constantly being revitalized. I learned the other day that they're still writing COBOL assembler programs that will allow you to write COBOL code on one side and interface it with Java or you know C Sharp on the other side. And I remember taking COBOL in college. I was like, oh, wow, okay. I guess that's a thing now. So if you're if you're the kind of person that's always willing to learn, then you're going to succeed really well in this industry. But if you if you don't want to open another book because you've learned everything there is to know, you are going to find yourself very obsolete very fast. Now, the worst career advice that I've ever gotten is um, someone who looked at me and said, ah, don't worry about the details. It's magic. It'll figure itself out. No, nothing is magic. Networking is... Packets are magic. 
<laughs> Magic happens because dedicated people put their effort into making things work. It looks like magic to you because you didn't. Like hardworking people. Like think about actual magic. Think about a stage magician. It looks like they're pulling a ball out of thin air. But while they're distracting you with their right hand, the left hand is reaching into their pocket carefully to produce the ball that you don't see until they turn it around where they want you to see it. Dedicated people are putting in the effort to make it look magical. So don't believe in magic. Believe in the awe and the wonder around magic. But understand that all magic is just other people working really hard to make something special happen. It sounds like my podcast partner in crime, John White's advice about how people you see that are really good at things now, you just didn't see when they were bad at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, uh, people who, people, successful people are not super successful. They're just really good at picking themselves up after every failure. And they're just stubborn because they're like, I'm, you know, I'm going to get this. I'm going to make this work. That's totally valid. Like, like you, if you know you can get this, keep working at it. And yeah, eventually it's going to look like magic. When I'm typing things for my kids, they think it's magic because I'm typing super fast on a keyboard and the words that are coming out actually make logical sense. I've also been working on it a lot longer than they've been alive. The key is, is that I've honed that. I've gotten better at it. I've worked through the, cha- the challenges and the struggles that I've had. And that is what's super important. That's magic. It's not, you know, pulling a rabbit out of a hat. It's doing the work to put the rabbit in the hat in the first place and carrying the hat carefully so that the rabbit doesn't hop out. That kind of stuff. I like that. I'm going to quote you on that one for sure. Well, listen, Tom, thank you so much for spending time with us. Would it be okay if people follow up with you on social media if they have questions or want to see what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest place to find me is probably on Twitter. My handle is Networking Nerd. Um, I also have a blog at networkingnerd.net. Uh, that's my, uh, as I like to tell people, that's my Batman job where I get to uh, float or fly around all night and I'm the, the vendor vigilante. I'm, I'm constantly telling people that they need to get better at their stuff. Uh, if you want to follow me at my Bruce Wayne job that pays the bills, uh, that's gestaltit.com, G-E-S-T-A-L-T-I-T.com or techfieldday.com. Um, that's what I'm doing when I'm not, you know, dressing up like a bat. Well, I can tell you, everybody, he's not dressed up like a bat right now from what I can see because we're doing a video share as we record here. So just take some comfort in that. And I will say that Tom has a lot of great thoughts on things that aren't just vendor technology related, a lot of good stuff on the softer skills and softer side of IT. That's how we that's one of the reasons I wanted to have him on the show to talk about burnout and and his experience because he wrote some great blogs on it and we'll put those in the show notes so thank you again Tom for being on the show we really appreciate it maybe we'll follow up again with you sometime soon thanks Nick I really appreciate it it was a fun conversation hope you'll go back and read the blogs that we put in the show notes that Tom wrote on burnout. There are two different ones and I think they actually have some great thoughts inside. Tom says that burnout is when you don't think anyone else cares that you're putting all this hard work into something. And really that means you've lost the connection with the impact of the work. 
that's one of the things Adam Grant writes about in Give and Take, and he has a whole chapter on what he calls the art of motivation maintenance. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, go check it out. He makes a hypothesis that doing a certain sort of giving that he calls otherish giving can actually help us prevent burnout. You know, it's hard to listen when someone tells you you need to slow down. A lot of times we don't want to slow down. We just want to keep going. We're okay. It's easy for someone outside the situation to spot that something's off with us, and we should be extremely appreciative that we have that in our lives. Did you think that Tom's exam studying process almost caused him PTSD after the fact? He didn't know how to handle it when there wasn't something to work on. I wonder if this happens to folks who retire and and go from 100 miles an hour to a lot less than that. Tom shares with us that productive work can be something you're doing to relax, even if it's getting a coloring app and doing some coloring. It's something you can be doing, and it's a way to quiet the mind, and that's really important. A lot of times we have that voice in our head that we can't seem to turn off. Tom tells us that stretch goals are like a rubber band. You can break it, but we should make them like special occasions and don't, we shouldn't allow ourselves to continually raise the bar. We actually need to celebrate how far we've come instead of just where we need to go. I remember reading Why Smart Kids Worry not too long ago, and one of the exercises to help kids with anxiety and worry was to help them see their successes as a way to calm the anxiety and That's something maybe we should all do a little bit more. And maybe you can do that through documenting your work and achievements once a week or once every couple weeks. What are the things I've done? How far have I come? And not just where do I need to go next? It requires a little more self-reflection, but I think it will make you see all the things you've done and have been doing. And it will build you up. Have you ever seen something that looks like magic? Well, it looks like magic because people worked hard to make it happen. I hope you've enjoyed this trilogy. I really enjoyed hearing what Tom had to say. I think he had some great tips for all of us. And if you are suffering from burnout, do something to recharge. And what you do to recharge may be different than what I do to recharge. Not everybody's going to understand what you need to do to help yourself recharge, but make sure that it's the right thing for you. You may have to do some experimentation there. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore, flying solo for now, for my buddy John White, at The Journeyman, signing off.